0: learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu, Father, thank you for your presence this morning and your goodness to us. We pray that your Word would go forth to encourage your people, and in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. The Spielberg movie, Amistad, tells the true story of Africans who are enslaved and brought over to the United States through Cuba on a Spanish ship, La Amistad. In 1839, the slave ship Amistad set sail. During the long and terrible trip, Joseph Cinque of the Mende people in West Africa led the enslaved people in an unprecedented uprising, and they killed their captors. They were then held prisoner in Connecticut, and their release became the subject of heated debate. A formerly enslaved freedman, Theodore Jodson, played by uh, the amazing Morgan Freeman, wanted Sinke and the others exonerated, uh, and he recruited a-, a lawyer, Roger Baldwin, to help his case. The Africans managed to win their case in the federal court. But President Van Buren, nervous about his reelection and favor with the southern states and with Spain, gets the case appealed to the Supreme Court. The lawyer, Baldwin, has to deliver the bad news to his clients. So they find an interpreter that speaks English and Mende uh, so they can communicate this. Uh, Cinque responds through the translator. And this is is the dialogue. And I think we have it on on screen. We can see it. So Cinque says, You said that there would be a judgment. And if we won the judgment, we would go free. That's in the federal court. They won their case. Lawyer, I said it, but I shouldn't have. What I should have said was, uh, the interpreter interrupts here, I can't translate that. Lawyer, you can't translate what? Interpreter. I can't translate should, should have, shouldn't have. Lawyer, there's no mende word for should. Interpreter, no. Either you do something or you don't do it. Okay, unlike the Mende people, we of course live in a world uh, and culture with regret. This is the realm of should have, could have, and would have. That's why there's so many movies and TV shows about time travel. We have this desire to set right what once went wrong, to undo our mistakes. And this is what I was reminded of when I read this week's Haftar portion, About the prophet Samuel. Now, Samuel was an amazing guy. You see, he is in this kind of in between period. On one side is the time of the charismatic military leaders, known as the time of the judges. So he successfully transitioned us from those days, you know, think of Gideon and Samson and Deborah, to the monarchy where he discipled and anointed. The first two kings of Israel, so Saul and David. So he's in between these two periods. In rabbinic tradition, he's right up there with Moses. And indeed, the two are compared in the Haftarah portion and the Torah portion. So Korah in the Torah portion and all of his cronies rebel against Moses. And the rebellious folks uh, in Haftarah demand of Samuel. What do they demand? We want a king, so we can be like all the other nations, right? And uh, so this is just before the Haftar portion. but we're going to start the story in 1 Samuel 8. So Samuel was getting older, and his sons were judging over Israel, but they weren't upright like Samuel, and they perverted justice, and uh, they abused the system. So the elders gathered together and said, Look, Samuel, old buddy, old pal, you're getting a little older, and your sons aren't exactly Moses and Aaron. So appoint us a king to rule over us. And Samuel thought, hmm, boy, these people. But he didn't say anything back to them. He just prayed to God first, which is always a good idea. And the Lord responded in 1 Samuel 8, verses 7 through 9. Listen to the, people, the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. Rather, they have rejected me from being king over them like all the deeds that they have done since the day I brought them out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and worshiping other gods. So they are also doing to you. So now listen to their voice. However, you must earnestly forewarn them and declare to them the rulings of the king who will rule over them. So Samuel puts it to them straight. Okay. And he says, listen, you don't want a king. He's going to overtax you. He's going to make your sons do military service and plow his fields He's going to take your daughters from your house so they can cook him up a nice roast. And he's going to make you his slaves, you know, like it was in Egypt. Remember, that was bad. And when you cry out to God because the king is doing all these things, God is going to say, sorry, this is what you asked for. And the people responded to this sage advice saying, yeah, we'll take a king anyways. The nation around the block has a king that fights all their battles and makes them super cool. And Samuel says, well, I suppose if all the other nations jumped off a bridge, you'd want to do that too. And the people responded, oh, yes, where is this Canaanite bridge? That sounds amazing. <laughs> to which Samuel said, oi, these people. So we see the desire for a king is not really the center of God's will. And Samuel relents to the people's choice, even though he knows it's not a good idea. And Samuel shows up again in our Haftarah portion, once the people are having cold feet about this Saul guy. And scripture notes that it's uh, not only is Samuel old at this point, but scripture says he has some gray hair. It reminds me of the mother who was saying to her young daughter, you see how much trouble you're causing me? Why, just the other day, I saw a single gray hair, and you're the reason for it. And the daughter thought for a moment and said, well, that definitely explains grandma's hair. So Uh, The rabbis pick up on this graying of of the hair of Samuel, the aging of Samuel. And here is what the Talmud says about it. Uh, This is from the rabbinic writings. Old age sprang upon Samuel, which caused him to appear older than his actual age. As it is written, I regret that I made Saul king. Samuel said before God, master of the universe, you have considered me the equivalent of Moses and Aaron. As it is written, Moses and Aaron among the, his priests, and Samuel among those who call upon his name. Just as with regard to Moses and Aaron, their handiwork was not annulled in their lifetimes, so too let my handiwork be, not be annulled in my lifetime. I anointed Saul, please do not annul his reign. In other words, Samuel had a case of the should have, could have, would haves, right? He was a man who was plagued with regret so much that possibly it made him old and gray, and it affected his nefesh, affected his, his soul. And so when we come to the Haftara portion, uh, and Samuel is stressing that he is old and gray now, possibly because of this people, uh, he reviews their story with them in First Samuel 12. This is from the Haftar portion now, and he's telling them about the faithfulness of God, despite their idolatry and despite their wanting a king. He says, It is Adonai who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. So now stand still so that I may plead with you before Adonai concerning all the righteous acts of Adonai, which he did for you and your fathers. When Jacob entered Egypt and your fathers cried out to Adonai, then Adonai sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt, and settled them in this place. But then they forgot. Uh, Adonai their god so he gave them over to the hand of Sisera captain of the army of Hazor into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab who fought against them remember this is the the age of the judges so they cried out to Adonai and said we have sinned because we have forsaken Adonai and have worshipped the Baalim and the Ashtoreth but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will worship you then Adonai sent Jerubal beden jephthah and samuel and you know also gideon and samson and all those guys and delivered you from the hand of your enemies on every side so that you might live securely but when you saw nahash king of the ammonites marching against you you said to me no but a king must reign over us even though adonai your god is your king now therefore here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have asked for and behold adonai has sent him as a king over you this is referring to king saul If you fear Adonai and worship him and listen to his voice and do not rebel against the command of Adonai, then both you as well as the king who reigns over you will be following uh, Adonai your God. But if you do not listen to the voice of Adonai and rebel against the command of Adonai, then the hand of Adonai will be against you and against your fathers. Now stand by and see this great thing that Adonai will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call to Adonai that he may send thunder and rain. Then you will know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of Adonai by asking for yourselves a king. So this last thing is a little bit strange to us. You know, Samuel saying you're going to get thunder and rain. And we think, oh, that's usually good, right? Uh, In the ancient world, they needed rain. But this was the dry season. So this was the season of the wheat harvest. So thunder and rain would actually ruin their crops if, if it came at the wrong time. And this is the consequence for their behavior, for asking for a king. You know, when I was a sophomore in college, I had just become a follower of Yeshua, and I had an idea. I would do a Bible study for, in Spanish for the folks that worked at the university. I invited some folks, and I invited the leader of Varsity, uh, the Christian Fellowship at Wesleyan. Uh, his name was Greg. And he knew a little bit of Spanish, and he had led other exploratory Bible studies, so I invited him to to join me as well. And the first day, guess who showed up? It was just Greg and me with my Spanish Bible. And uh, we got to chatting, and he asked me, he said, uh, now, David, did you pray about this venture, or did you just kind of run with it? And I said, well, I just kind of ran with it. And he said, that's okay, you know, it'll give us some time to, to chat. And so Greg and I had our own Bible study and processing time, and it ended up being very fruitful, and it really blessed my socks off. And then for subsequent Bible studies, I learned to pray first and get a sense of what God wanted to do before jumping in. And we actually had folks show up later on, and it was, that was very fruitful as well. But I never forgot the way that Greg gently advised me to pray beforehand, but also he availed himself of the time that we had, just the two of us. Because of my quote-unquote mistake, I had this really great appointed moment with Greg. My junior year, I chose to study abroad in Madrid, and by the time I had arrived, I had been following Yeshua just since the end of my sophomore year, so I still wasn't used to praying about decisions, especially major decisions. I had decided to study there because it fit with my major. You know, I I was learning Spanish, and I began to worry that I was outside of God's will. What if I wasn't supposed to be in Spain? What if I was supposed to be somewhere else? And there I was, committed to four months in Madrid, and I never asked God if that's where he wanted me to be. Nevertheless, despite my lack of prayer preparation, God blessed me abundantly. I made a great friend. Carlos, a brother in Messiah that I still uh, talk to today, he's extremely encouraging. He's encouraged um, my parents, my family. Um, I found a great church, and I grew a lot in my faith and uh, also in learning Spanish. I found a, a local after-school program for elementary kids, and I helped them with their homework, which was probably the best experience I had. I uh, I was there at the same time as one of my closest college friends, Jesse and we were able to encourage one another while we were in uh, this foreign country for, for so long. She happened to be in Madrid at the same time I was. And I had a sense that in spite of my mistakes, my missteps, and my decisions apart from God, he was so sovereign and such a great chess master that he would meet me where I was at, and he would bless me. Now, these two stories that I've shared are not saying do what I did, right? It's not a license to go through life and and not pray and uh, not try to seek God's will. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is God is sovereign over our choices, good or bad. The mistakes that we make and the sins along the way are part of what he uses to teach us and bring us into his goodness. The best way I can frame it is this. He's just that good. The first king that Israel affirmed was Saul, right? But after that came King David. He was a man after God's own heart. God worked in and through David to bring who? The future Messiah, the son of King David, who is king over all. Think about the sovereignty of God over this choice. The people, we want a king. God and Samuel, no, you don't want a king. God is your king. The people, yes, give us a king. We want to be cool like the Canaanites. We don't want a heavenly king. We want a human king. We can see. God, okay, have it your way. You don't want me to be your king? That's fine. But in the future, I'm going to redeem you and all humanity through this king, the son of David, and through his life, I will be your king again, and you will have a heavenly king and a human king through the Messiah. In other words, God is just that good. He can transform all of our choices, good or bad, for our good, sharpening us and molding us into his image along the way. There is no room for regret in the kingdom of heaven. There's no room for the should have, could have, would have. We don't want to be prematurely gray like Samuel, do we? No. And no offense to those who have gray hair. I'm not saying anything about that. But what I am saying is when we... When we repent, let's trust that our mistakes are thrown into the sea, right? And that God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. We don't have to be perfect because he is already perfect in his kingship. We don't have to go back in time to fix our mistakes because he is already outside of time. So whatever happened to you this week, this month, this year, whatever mistakes you made, trust me, he's got you. is a good father and a good king amen all right well let's pray Uh, avinu we thank you for your sovereignty over our choices we thank you that we can trust you even when we slip up or when we mess up lord that um we don't have to go back in time we don't have to spend time uh, in regret in the should have could have would have mode but we can trust you that you are using all things for our good as it says in your word, in all things you work for the good of those who love you, those called according to your purpose. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.